Hello, everyone, and welcome to your favorite Anite podcast. I'm here to announce that we're going to go ahead and call this Season 3, because we've now hit 2017, and I can make statements like that. So, Season 3, what changes? Nothing. It's just, it's we're, we're usual podcast. we got the same crew. Today, I'm joined by uh, Shade. Hello. Dill. Hey there. Requiem. Greetings. Stanlick. Hello. And Exile. Reasons. And apparently a dog. Hi, dog. I'm sorry. I am sorry. So basically, <laughs> season three, we've had our budget cut, so the quality's dropped. Yep. We, well, or you could say our budget's increased, and now we have dogs. I mean, when you look who, at the cast you've assembled... Who offers a better anime commentary, us or dogs? I don't know. Ask the dogs. I don't know. Uh, you know what happens when you add a mascot character. Yeah. The Proton is our mascot character. <laughs> it's true. I'd rather um, leave so, anything with fur out of the equation. As as many of you listeners of Ye Old Podcast are aware, we usually talk about currently airing anime, which we are going to do this podcast, but that's the second half. For the first half, since this is a brand new year, and some of us have been on winter break, other of us, others of us are it's just regular winter but regardless we've all been doing like various anime oriented activities i'm sure between the six of us present on this podcast today so i have a list of a few like short topics that we're going to bring up briefly and the first one is that shade and exile have been playing the mobile game grand blue fantasy which i have no idea what that is but apparently it is getting an anime that was going to be this season but got delayed to next season. And so, it's fine. Why, but it's not a particularly good sign. We're already worried that it's going to be as generic as hell. Yep. Um, basically, it's a very good mobile game. It's probably the best mobile game I've played, even with the payment features, where you actually get stuff when you give them money, which is unusual and nice. And mm-hmm. it's... In the style of the old Final Fantasy games, but adapted to a mobile environment, it's got very good character art, it's got a very large cast, none of which are particularly irritating. Uh, It's got some of the old original Final Fantasy people working on it, the early ones. It's got music by Nobuo Uematsu, and the music is very, very good. Uh, They're pretty free with the free stuff, so you certainly don't need to pay money. But as I say, it's tempting to, because you actually get shit for it. Um, the unfortunate thing is, as with most anime adaptions which come from sources that have a last ca- large cast, you can be pretty damn certain most of them aren't going to appear. So, whichever character you happen to like, don't bet on them appearing. We saw this with Can Call, and I'm certain it's going to happen here, especially since one of the features is you can change the gender of the main character. They're two independent characters. You've got Gran, who's the male one, and Jita, who is the female. And Jita is by far the most widely used main character, and yet they've made Gran the title. I'm, I'm Wait, sorry so about that. Yeah. Quite, quite question, Jita actually. She's apparently in the cast list, but she's been in absolutely none of the promotional material, so we don't know how far we can trust it. So uh, the pa- patriarchy strikes again. Yeah. <laughs> well, what, I, what I'm curious about is, so we've got... Gran and Jita. Like, so why why is Jita's name not in the title? Because the mobile game's called Grand Blue Fantasy 2, right? Yes. Yes. So 
Because I, I was thinking you're like, and the male character's name is Gran, and the female character's name is, and I'm like, he's going to say blue, he's going to say blue, and then he's like, then you're like, Jita, and I'm like, ah, oh, that's weird. No, so, so you, you is, play um, as the protagonist, just... like, you are the protagonist, but then you choose your gender. So the, you can choose to be male, female, male is Gran, female is Jita. Yeah, their names never actually appear, because you're always referred to as either your own name, or when people speak to you, they call you Dan Show, which is just Captain. So, Grand and Jita never actually appear as themselves in the game, because you're taking their place. Okay, that makes sense. So why'd they choose the male? We don't know. It's very strange. <laughs> Probably just because the story has you linked in life force to a young female, well, an appeared peeringly young female called Lyria, so they probably want the romance interest there. They could have made it Yuri, I guess, but they chose not to. Honestly, this is one of the rare occasions where I am just going to say, yeah, they probably took the guy because guy. Uh, yeah. Even if it's a bit of a bullshit choice. I, I feel that I'm getting that vibe from that too. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's once, it's, it's, you could argue, oh, it's 50 50 chance. It might just literally have been luck, but like I have a feeling that it's just like male, male. So, yeah. is there a chance of a harem? No, uh, possibly. I mean, there are a lot of both male and female characters. Uh, majority of whom are pretty tasty, and certainly some of them express an interest in pretty the main tasty. characters. <laughs> Do they have to be? But again, I'm dubious that very many of them are going to bloody well turn up. I mean, it's a bit like Can Cole with such variety and potential to the franchise, it shouldn't be difficult to make something that isn't generically terrible, and yet somehow they keep failing. Kankol was an appalling anime for a large number of hard-to-accomplish reasons, and yet they managed. You With... know, what I, what I will say about Kankol is that um, I watched the first, like, two episodes before I couldn't do it anymore, and <laughs> the opening and ending themes, like, totally misled me about that series. Because I watched them because, like... I was, like, looking up the music, I'm like, all right, opening theme, epic, yeah. And then I was like, yeah. what the hell, ending theme, also epic, yeah. And I'm like, maybe this show's awesome. And then I watched the first episode, I'm like, it's not awesome. And no, I'm like, but maybe it's just the first episode. And then I watched the second I'm, I'm episode, and I'm like, drop. I'm a can call as a game, and no, it's not. It's really not. The OP and the ED are the best things about it, and it only gets worse as the series goes on. So it starts off bad and just ends hilariously terribly. The good news, though, is that that was... Shiana Nishizawa's first single and now she's still doing music. Oh, so. I would have hated for her career to be sunk by it. Isn't there oh, still supposed Jesus. to be a sequel? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was a movie there was a movie last season and Shiana Nishizawa actually sang one of the themes for the movie. I don't know which one because I obviously didn't see the movie, but I have it on my iPod. It was a good song. The, subject, so I haven't seen it, the pun was so bad I actually like started bleeding. <laughs> <laughs> But right. uh, again, getting back to Grand Blue Fantasy, just to finish it all off, the only characters we've so far had confirmed, as far as I know, are the core story characters. They're the ones that join your crew, rather than any of the ones you pick up through events or through the gacha or whatever. So, very small number, and by far not the best the cast has to offer. Yeah, they're alright, but... They're just... alright, they're not bad, but they're kind of a bit land and certainly nowhere near as colorful or interesting or popular as some of the other characters yeah there's um, there are too many characters for me to count 
and they keep <laughs> adding more and more and more, so it's... Yeah, but are there any that you regret that them making? Uh... Wait, what? What was the question? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's far too many characters to like all of them, although I'm giving it a good go, but... None of the characters just sort of make your face calm and go, well, why the fuck did they do that? I mean, they've just... One of the latest characters they've introduced is a knight who is from, like, a mafia family. She is literally a mafioso knight with a sword and plate mail and all that kind of crap, and she talks like an Italian mob boss, and she's still fucking hilarious. There's, there's the mobile game, like, I guess just industry in Japan is just so much more vibrant. Hmm. Man, Grand Blue Fantasy is one of the best. It uh, is yeah, the best. but I mean, like, I, I just always hear, you know, you hear about things like, I mean, obviously, like, the fate, the, like, fate, like, Grand Order or whatever mobile game. <laughs> Don't yeah, before without even discussing, but I mean, like, you hear about games like that and, like, all those, like, Love Live games and stuff like that, and you go, like, wow, like, they're like some like major, majorly like popular, regardless of like how you know good or bad the games are, but just popular games that are coming out in Japan that are just like mobile games just seem, are seem and obviously kind of pretty much are like a much bigger deal over there. Yeah. So well, I mean, another of, one of the series to quickly touch on this, another one of the series this season is Chain Chronicle, and it, again, it's another anime of a game. Um, the game in English actually shut down a while back, which was a shame, because it was innovative, if not fantastic. But as far as I know, the game in Japan is still going strong, and it recently got four movies, and this anime series <laughs> is the series of those four movies put together. I think so three, they basically actually. put the four movies together, and then cut it up into smaller chunks, and that's the series. Wait, did you say, Shay, did you say that there are actually three? Yeah, I'm pretty sure there's only four. three. I thought there were four. Crunchyroll, Crunchyroll has four on the movies page. Well, the one thing I will say is that they dropped the four episodes at once, which would make me think that they dropped the four because they were all part of one movie, in which case if there are 12 episodes doing some say, like basic TV anime is, as far as I'm aware, the same content. But yeah, if you go to the movie version, there's four episodes on Crunchy's page. I think that, that that is just the first movie that they broke up into four chunks, and then the second movie is going to be four yeah, more Crunchy chunks. Yeah, Crunchy does that, actually. They split up yeah. their movies. Uh, that would be a strange way of doing it, but I've seen it come out. Of, like, those four movies came out over the last few seasons, well, according to Well, what I'll say anyway, is the, this, it, it this, this mobile game... Yeah, this mobile game that we randomly tangented into has three, maybe four movies about it, and it's getting an anime. <laughs> yeah, and again, also, it's probably generic as well. Yeah, also, also on the chain of conversational topics, we have Dill's beginning beginning uh, manga journey. Why don't you uh, brief us on that a little bit, Dill? <laughs> well, uh, just this past winter, I, I picked up writing for uh, Taiko Bond with all the... Uh, with all the, uh, the the manga reviews and all that, and I had to make a confession right when I uh, signed up for it that I've actually never read read a manga like a physical manga ever really, short of what I assumed was probably just a Naruto one when I was younger. Um, never finished a volume, 
But uh, you know, I've, I'm glad that we have the community. We do because I have had some outstanding recommendations. Uh, just getting right to the uh, the cream of the crop. Uh, it was outside my comfort zone, but everybody told me to re- to read it. Was uh, Mob Love? You finally got that. <laughs> <laughs> Not manga. Continue. Um, Not yet. Actually, it does have a manga, and I don't recommend it. It, it was actually um, Goodnight Pun Pun. And it was one of those things where most of the people who knew my tastes were like, you're going to be really uncomfortable as you're reading it, but, uh, you know, it's an experience you have to have because when you reflect on it, you're going you're gonna to really enjoy parts of it. And I think that's really accurate because... Uh, I, I, I'm pretty sure the the caption for it, you know, they say slice a life that slices back. I, that's that's, <laughs> that's completely like that, that's accurate because it's you know without going into it because obviously that spoils the experience, but it's just it it's just it captures growing up in real society and just you know how dreams change or ideologies and all that. But it uses such a fun and like really unique way of telling it. So it's like the same coming-of-age story that we always hear, but it has no chill, and it somehow is actually, like, really... It's really enjoyable at parts, and then it's just really unsettling when you have, like, the real-life things that kind of happen in it. Um, oh, it's, it's so rich with, like, symbolism and everything. I absolutely love it. Yeah, it, like, Inio Asano as um, just, like, a mangaka... Um, like all of his series are like pun like Punpun's kind of like his like master work. Um, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to mispronounce it. But oh no no, it's honestly like I I say pun pun a lot too, just because that makes more sense from like Americanized pronunciation of like the title. Sure. Um, but um, the uh, I would say that um, like when they when Viz first licensed um uh, Punpun and uh, Vertical licensed. Uh, girl on the short like almost the same time it was like everyone was like oh my god 2016 Inio Asano all this a bunch of his series are coming to the US because the only one we had had was um Solanin before that and um I mean yeah it's just kind of like if you're a manga fan it's like it's a it's a highly recommended like he's a highly recommended author just to read from in general because his works are very rich in many ways I think anybody who's just, uh, like, obviously you can't always, like, I don't want to say, like, put manga on somebody, but, like, anybody who can appreciate a good, like, like drama, in a sense, yeah. real-life drama, I feel like if you give them the, the context of it, I feel like it, they could enjoy it. Um, some other big ones, uh, Forget Me Not, like, it's, that's breathtaking, like, mm-hmm. I, fin- I finish a volume, I've, I think I'm about halfway through, I just just got done with the, about the middle way of it um, for what they have out right now. And it's just like I finished one of them and I want to read the next. And yeah. I, I know a lot of people say that with series anyways because that's just kind of the, the nature of like more. But mm-hmm. it's just I'm so like enthralled by just this guy just, you know, basically reflecting on like his relationships and everything. And just like not to steal from the very quote that – uh you know, Tekoban has on the back of one of the volumes, but it really is just like such a like a beautiful snapshot of like the relationships we have. 
And it's yeah. it's also it's also kind of funny because it's it's a very good contrast like to you know reading Poon Poon. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, then the last one. Um, no matter how much I love the anime for it, everybody told me I had to read the uh, the manga for JoJo. <laughs> yeah. And it's so crazy because I knew because I've I've read through the uh, right to a little bit before where I was in part three because I'm still watching it. And even though I know what's coming, I'm just like, it's honestly even better to read it because. Yeah. It's just crazy to think that, like, you know, this guy came up with all of this stuff, like, starting, like, in the late 80s. And it's just, it's, it's just so, you know, it, it's revolutionary, really. Because, you know, you look, at, you look at things like, you know, people tell me that uh, I love JoJo Part 4 because it was a direct inspiration for Persona. And Persona's my favorite game series. So it's, like, it's so crazy to think that it has those kind of, it, hands, it has its hand in all that kind of stuff creatively. Yeah. Yeah, it's I, I think it's always like um when you're first you first get into you know, reading manga and then you get like all these great series, right, and that are suddenly thrown at you. And it's like I, I am I well I mean I know it's similar for, at least in my case, it's like, oh, to a certain extent it's like overwhelming, but at the same time it's like, Oh my gosh, there are all these great things out there that you never know about. It's and the same thing happened with like um, me when I first found like got into Japanese music, I was like, holy crap! Like all a bunch of my favorite like Western bands haven't been releasing anything good, and now suddenly like there's all this stuff that I'm just like getting exposed to all at once. Right. And, and hold on, I'm sorry. No, no, no. Go, go for it. Go for it. I was gonna say like it, it's almost like you it almost psychs you out a little bit because you're like there's so much of it and you want to keep moving on to the next stuff but you have to remind yourself to like take it slow and appreciate like what you know what you're reading cuz i mean you can go back and read it another time but you know people never know how much free time they have mm-hmm. so i mean it, it it i'm sure that applies to you with music too i mean like oh yeah, yeah sure. you could probably listen to those songs whenever you want but you're only going to experience them the first time once so. yeah and actually, on that subject, that's probably a good way to segue into my little um, thing of what I've been doing lately, which is sure. that um, – so 1OK Rock or 1 O'Clock, however you want to go with it, um, has re- – they actually released their new album yesterday. Um, and so I'm Ooh. a big 1OK Rock fan, and they're a big uh, – they're really, really big in Japan. Um, it's the kind of thing like whenever I talk – because I'm a member of the uh, I'm of the Japanese Student Association at my university, and um, whenever I talk with like exchange students, and they're mm-hmm. like, "Oh, what kind of like Japanese music do you listen to?" I'm like, "Oh, I like like these bands and these bands." And like sometimes people will know them, but there's not like most of the time like it's very hit or miss because it's it's a bit like going like, "Oh, you're an American, right? You know all the American bands." And it's like, "No, obviously not." Right. Um, but the one that like I've never met someone that they that doesn't know them is One OK Rock. Like, hmm. everyone knows them when I bring it up. Because, I mean, they're the kind of... They sell out, like, enormous stadiums in Japan all the time. Okay. And so for this new album, they actually decided to change things up. And they released two versions of it. One, um, and the one that came out in the U.S. is uh, actually fully in English. Oh. Um, and it's because the... Uh, so the lead singer, Taka, is actually... he's he w- like He's been, like, practicing English ever since he started the band and you can like literally kind of see the progression through their albums but he's gotten um 
his English has gotten like so good that you like legitimately for most of the time you can't tell that it's a non-native speaker singing for oh, wow. most of his performances. So he they got like a they got a record label uh, last year in the U.S. and so they released their new album uh, concurrently in English and the one that's in half English half Japanese. And uh, so the, the the interesting factor about that is like and the reason I'm mentioning this is because I checked uh, tonight and as of when we're recording this podcast right now on American iTunes, it's actually the number one top selling rock album today. Nice. Uh, so I'm, I would like to think that they might hit it big in the U.S. It's hard to say, but at the very least, like it's it, it ain't flopping. So that's a, that's a great story, really. Yeah, like, and if anyone's interested, the album is called Ambitions, and it's fire. I highly yeah. recommend it. Very good. I've been spamming it uh, a lot, and if you're an annotate author, you probably heard me making the jokes like when I was king, we had everything. Those that's, that's a quote from one of their songs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So no, I haven't. I haven't actually caught you saying that every five minutes for the last three days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we totally missed that, and it's nonstop ad nauseum uh, way that it's been going on. Well, I, I, I'm I'm surprised. I, I I would have expected that you guys had noticed it, and I have no way to pick up on sarcasm. So I assume you're telling the, the honest truth right now. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Um. Anyways, so we can keep things moving along. Um. There are, believe it or not, other other members of this podcast who we have not gone to their recent travelings or habits or events or whatever so let's go to uh i have we've got stanley i have a markdown as nerd why don't you tell us a little bit about why i said nerd stanley uh not exactly sure uh i guess uh, <laughs> we were talking earlier and i was telling you about this uh project i have in school um we me and a team have been working on this for five months now so uh at my university in order to graduate uh, the engineering program, you have to have what's called a fourth-year design project. And that literally entails you to anything that you want as long as you create it. So the, the group of four or five or six people go out and create whatever they want. Uh, uh, is this what, you getting funding from Elon Musk to create the Hyperloop? Ooh. Uh, what's actually funny is there's a team, a Hyperloop team at my university, the University of Waterloo, and they uh, they have funding from other sources, not exactly Elon Musk, but yeah. Um, anyways, what me and a group of friends are doing, we're creating a virtual reality controller. Whoa. Uh, I won't go into too much detail about it, but it's uh, it's pretty exciting, and like you can almost imagine it as the HTC Vive controller, except with multiple buttons that extend a long range so when you grab your hand or when you make a grabbing motion with your hand in real life on the controller it translates almost one-to-one to to you grabbing in virtual reality no way that's awesome fancy that's awesome yeah that's the the intense life (laughs) we've been spending a lot of time on it and we're currently iterating through multiple uh, potential designs. Uh, one of my friends has a 3D printer, so we're able to to uh, quickly go through iterations. And then Anyways. you're gonna send me a free copy. No. Well, it's easy enough. <laughs> yeah, the 3D model of it. Then you, if you had a 3D printer, then you could print it yourself. 
Uh, I, I, I just heard that as proton blackmailing you. It's like, you will send me a free copy, or I will talk about music some more. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh, I'll, I'll, do that, I'll do that regards to Sexile. Yeah, we're, we're doomed. <laughs> oh, good luck, King, after all. So, uh, yeah, that's where I am at. Uh, but yeah, that's pretty sick. Sick, bro. <laughs> but yeah, I, you you mentioned it um, to me like today. Yeah, I think it was today, and I was like, "Ooh, fancy!" So, since in the spirit of everyone talking about like something that's going on right now, I figured that that's pretty fancy. So, that's pretty fancy. Um, but <laughs> but there, there is still. See, now I want a photograph of the team hard at work with like the 3D printer iterating production models and them all wearing top hats and monocles. <laughs> we do have that, that is their at work uniform. <laughs> so um, there is, however, this podcast is not five members, but six because Requiem is here. And I have Requiem in my notes for the podcast. He's marked down as Debbie Downer Hulu. Why don't you explain that for us, Requiem? Well, I don't know if I understand the Debbie Downer reference. I'm a cheerful individual. <laughs> but yeah, so we can tell from your name. Yeah, the only thing. Yeah. <laughs> I have explained many times that my name is a leftover from a mild chuny phase in my uh, late teens. <laughs> you should have seen it before. It used to be Midnight's Requiem. Midnight's Requiem. Ooh. That sounds like, yeah, that sounds chuny. <laughs> it's pretty bad. The other thing well, I've been doing over winter is I started working for the best streaming service that isn't Netflix in the entire world. Does that okay. count as a plug? Because it was kind of so, a backhanded so, plug. Oh my god, you're working for Amazon Prime? The second best streaming service that's not Netflix. Put a pin in that. We'll be back to Amazon in a moment, folks. Now, I worked for Hulu, and I can say that I liked Hulu a lot better before I started working there. <laughs> That's usually how it goes when you work for places. Yeah, you I feel like... Um, also works for Hulu who's listening. Yeah, there's probably, like, one... It's probably one of those, because you're um, tech support, right? Yes. Yeah, so, like, you get to deal with, like, the, the, the dregs of humanity, I feel like. like. Like, for example, I'm a dreg of humanity, so I'll call, like, tech support... Um, with like Blizzard, and I'd be like, Blizzard, your game's not working. And Blizzard would be like, Have you opened it? And I'll be like, Yeah, I've opened it. And the guy would be like, Sorry, I have to ask that because half my customers haven't opened it. And I go like, Oh, that's awkward. No, I get that. I get people who say, You know, my app's not working. I'm like, Have you clicked on the app? Oh, <laughs> I can't log in. It says start a free trial. I'm like, Did you try that button next to it that says log in? Nice. <laughs> Most of my day. The rest of it's like, how come this isn't working on my Hisense you know, fifty dollar TV that I bought? Or how come I can't get Hulu on my TV? And I'm like, when did you buy it? And they said 1997. <laughs> it's a CRT. <laughs> yeah, it's see. The funny thing is, like, it's all on one hand, it's it's frustrating when like you call like tech certain like tech support and they offer like fifty billion like super simple solutions to like your complicated one, but on the other hand, it's like the vast majority of their customers have no idea what they're doing, including me sometimes, depending on what that product I'm calling about is. And most of their cases are legitimately solved by those super basic things. So and That's how it works for me. I've got a wiki, 
I've got a wiki with basic troubleshooting for every device we support and even a few that we don't support anymore. When somebody calls, I run through the basic troubleshooting. If that doesn't work, I apologize. <laughs> well, as I was about to say, you're sounding like you might not, actually. In my experience, most tech support has a checklist of questions they need to run down. Like, they oh, yeah. can't skip them, even if it's bloody obvious that the person on the other end knows what they're talking about. Otherwise, they'll get censured for it. So they, they will need to run you through, have you tried turning it off and on again? Have you made sure it's not on fire? Have you made sure that you purchased the product and you are, in fact, not trying to eat a banana? Whatever the fuck. Uh, you can say to the person on the end of the line, yes, I invented computer science. It sprang from my forehead, fully formed, and started laying waste to ancient Greece. And they'll still run you through, have you made sure that you are not actually trying to turn on a farm animal? Well, to be fair, if someone tells me... Because they get frustrated and you get frustrated. Well, yeah, if they tell me they already did something, if they say uh, this thing is it's crashing every time I play uh, a video, and I already did this and this and this, I usually just believe them and don't repeat the step. Ooh, living dangerously. I feel like like that's that's a, a decent approach. Usually it's like if someone's like, and I've tried turning it off and on again, and it didn't work... If the tech support guy's like, all right, uh, I'm going to have to ask you to turn it off and on again right after they say that. It, it, mm-hmm. It's just like awkward for everyone, you know? Like the guy's yeah, like, oh, but, I, but I just did that. They will get in trouble if they don't say it. Yeah, yeah. But it, it will for sure. Like the, they say it for a reason, but it's still just like there's that slight pause where like the customer is like, how stupid does this guy on the phone think I am? And there's this like pause right. on the other end where the custom, where like the like employees like, how stupid does this guy think I think he is? You know? <laughs> and then you have like that awkward situation where you're, like you're thinking about like this like meta like, how how stupid does he think I think I think I think I think I am? And you're going back and forth. And then eventually someone's like, uh, I'm gonna reboot my computer now. We're gonna see what happens. You know? So typically, then, I just call it the expletive pause. It's that so- short pause where everybody involved just mentally runs through three or four swear words of their own choice, and then you start again. Yeah, sounds about right. Um, but anyway, so for our last topic here, before we jump into anime of this season, we're gonna talk about like kind of anime of this season. So this is like a transition thing, which is that for those of you that don't know, before we get into the discussion, I'm just going to like briefly like introduce like ev- this thing, which you will all know I'm about to say, except for people listening, which is that Amazon... So for some people that don't... For people that don't know, uh, the Noitamina um, block of anime programming, which those are like... Usually there's like a Fuji Television basically has kind of like a block of like high-budget anime shows... Um, that are uh, that run. There's usually currently there's like one per season. So you might if you've seen shows like Psychopaths or Your Lie in April or things like that. Coming those there. have been uh, yeah. Which well, well I'm getting to that. Uh, those have been on uh, the Noitamina block and rec- and even though it's not a guarantee of quality, um, it is a guarantee that Battery. there's like money there's money and um resources behind the project so it's not a guarantee of quality but like it's more likely than like random anime x to be a good show um so that being said so amazon decided that they wanted to get into the anime industry because it's a very the anime i should say the english subbed anime streaming industry um in that, I mean, it's a it's a pretty like most anime fans like that's how you get your anime, you know, like you're streaming it online. <laughs> some of them illegally, uh, most of them illegally. Um, 
but know, services... managed to prove that legitimate streaming was a viable business, and they've been oh, doing for sure. well. Well, and that's what I'm getting at, is they've proved it's a viable business. There's just there's still like a huge portion of users that just like pirate anyways. Um, but that but that being said, that's the point, though, is that Crunchyroll and Funimation have gone, and they've turned a profit, and people are going like, oh, this is something that our video sources could make money from. So um, Amazon actually bought the streaming rights to the Noitamina shows for the next two years. And I think they paid... It was like... At, it was... I, I'm trying to remember how much it was. Was it like 1.5 million? Something yeah, like that? Yeah, they pretty much worked up a giant wad and then beat yeah. the company over the head with it. Yeah. Uh, it was and 14 so, million. 14 million. I was so off in a in like a most like terrifying way. Fourteen yeah, million dollars. You could beat a whale to death with that wad, and that's and potentially that was, what the Japanese accepted. Yeah, and, and if that, only that for, somebody had warned us there was going to be dire consequences. Why didn't anybody say anything? <laughs> well, and what I'm getting at is that so, and this is fourteen million for seven shows. That's like two million dollars for Cabinary. Can you guys believe that? But anyways, um, the I the point like is, the first four episodes were at, worth it. At first, um, <laughs> Cabinary was like the first show, Cabinet of the Iron Fortress, which aired in spring last year, and it was actually like the most popular show that season. I'm sure Crunchyroll and Funimation were like, not particularly right. thrilled. Emphasis on the walls. Yeah, was. I mean, then, you know, things happen, show goes to the show. The ending happened. <laughs> but, um, the episodes I mean, the leading me- up to the ending happened. You know, the, the music was great. leading up to the middle happened. The music was great. <laughs> I'll say that much. Rock on Shoujo. Yeah, and the fir- honestly, the first episode of Cabinary was like one of the most thrilling, like first episodes of anime I've ever seen. I was like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, I, I was honestly impressed and blown away by it. Yeah, um, I mean, I- I'm not the world's biggest Attack on Titan fan, so I was <laughs> it can be fucking well done, right? But then, um, anyway, so then the-, the next show in the summer was Battery which is a baseball anime. Oh, Jesus. Which, which Requiem is very bitter about that show. But uh, but then after that, in the fall, this past season was Fune o Amu, or oh, uh, yes, The Great Passage. Yes. And the thing is, um, so when Amazon licensed this, they didn't put it up in the U.S., and people had no idea why. They're like, why would Amazon pay $2 million for this one show and then not post it in like their biggest region? And uh, it turned out the reason they have... And the reason, it turns out the reason that they kept it down in the U.S. is because they've started a new anime, a dedicated anime streaming channel on Amazon Video called Anime Strike. And so, like, now, I I would say that in and of itself, the concept of Anime Strike is not inherently, like, a bad thing. Like, I mean, yeah, people are like, oh, I wish that I just like all of my shows to be on, I want to be just be able to pay for Crunchyroll and get all my shows. It's like, yeah, there's competition and stuff like that. The problem that is frustrating, and I mean, obviously there are other arguments to me, but I would say the problem that makes it inherently frustrating is the pricing model that is just, like, inherently bad, and it is that you, first, you have to have Prime in order to have access to this channel, and on top of that, you have to pay an extra $5 a month to have access to the anime on that channel, and so that's, it's important to mention that, A, that means that it's a total of you're paying $13 a month, to have access to that anime. And now some people might say, oh, well, you know, I have Prime anyways for other reasons, and then I'll just pay the $5 for the anime. And it's like, but the thing is, if I were to get a membership for Crunchyroll for a year, okay, the that would be, the it's $60 for a year, which is $5 a month for Crunchyroll. And Crunchyroll's selection is 
insanely better than Amazon uh, than Amazon's anime strike. And so charging charging that kind of money and blindsiding people because I mean for example I have Amazon Prime and I was under the expectations that Scum's Wish which is the Noitamina show for this season was going to be a show that I would be able to watch without any problems and the day it goes up I'm like oh you know my Amazon Prime membership go on search for Scum's Wish all right there it is let's watch the first episode and it's like you don't have anime strike you have to pay another five dollars a month to watch our like one of five exclusive shows total on yeah. this service. And, and it's, it's an extra kicking because Cabinary was the first show of the Noitamina block they bought out. And so everyone was going, well, I can't watch this show that is incredibly hyped up unless I have Prime. And that was kind of rough because it's just like, well, if I don't want Prime anyway, am I going to buy Prime just to watch this show? And it's like, well, two years' worth of shows, and maybe they'll get more. And Prime, of course, does give you other advantages as well. And then last season, we don't get... Well, you guys, I live in the UK, so I did get it. In America, <laughs> you guys didn't get Funiwa Amu for no stated reason at all. They didn't come yeah. out with any sort of rationale as to why they weren't putting it up, despite the fact that they're the ones that licensed it, until just recently when they came out with Anime Strike, so you had six months of, well, I'm going to have to pay for Prime if I'm going to be wanting to watch these shows. Just long enough for you to come to a decision that, well, maybe it might be worth it. Look at all the other stuff I'm getting. Cool. Now give us another $5. Yeah. And I, I think, so I think the problem and the argument that I made, which is why I was first like, all right, whatever, like, I would, you know, it sucks, but uh, is that... With Amazon, I was thinking, oh, well, Amazon, they're licensed. They want to, like, anime is a very popular, you know, streaming show in general. And they were, I was like, oh, they're not trying to compete with Crunchyroll and Funimation. They're competing with, like, Netflix and Hulu. And Netflix and Hulu have a decent, like, anime selection. So they're trying to guarantee that they get some, like, high-quality exclusives. And if there's a good way to, like, if you're going to license any one kind of, like, group of anime, shooting for Noitamina is probably your best bet. Once again, because there's just guaranteed to be like a, a lot of money behind each production. It might not be good, but it, but it's got a lot of money behind it, so it's there's a higher likelihood. Um, and no, I mean, the I, but the, is. The, the, and the but the problem that came up for me is it turns out I was wrong. I thought oh they're you know they're trying to just increase and diversify their content to compete with Netflix and Hulu. That was that turns out not really to be true. What they're actually trying to do is compete with Crunchyroll and Funimation because now they've introduce this competing service anime strike and um it's funny because i was kind of thinking of like almost like in the u.s like the era you know the quote-unquote era of good feelings when the first two in the federalist party at like the beginning of united states history kind of like ceased to really be a political organization they're like oh all we have is the democratic republic part republican party and so james monroe the fifth president of the united states ran basically unopposed and like this is the era of good feelings there are no there's you know there are no competing political parties and it was like one of those things where it's like inevitably there has to be competition so like another party was inevitable inevitably going to emerge whereas in this case when like funimation and crunchyroll kind of like teamed up to like divide and conquer and like subs or crunchyroll dubs or funimation it didn't have to be like that, that this quote-unquote like era of good feelings for anime didn't have to end but it, it kind of did now that Amazon has jumped into the playing field. So that sucks. And then also I'm just not thrilled about the $13 a month for an inferior service. So, I, I, it, you know, you, you mentioned that before we went on. And 
the one thing I was always curious about, it's interesting you use like uh, your line April as an example. You know, that's something uh, obviously that wasn't like it's not going to be grandfathered in or anything into the service because. Oh, like, don't put it past them. Well, because it it's like it's on it's on Netflix right now. So many people have watched it on yeah. Netflix. But it's... my real question, let's just use Scum's Wish for an example, is okay. do they like is it are they going to have like exclusive rights to that then? Like, so, are they're not, not going to be like physicals, or is, does the um, company does the company still get to sell physicals? So how how it's working, um, and this isn't like a one hundred percent confirmed thing, but um, sure. this is this is what happened with Cabinary. So it's probably a safe assumption that it's at least possible this would happen with other shows. Is that a- Amazon licensed the streaming rights? Just so the, the physical distribution rights don't actually belong to them. They have no interest in it. So Crunchyroll actually bought the physical distribution rights for Cabinary of the Iron Fortress. And so oh. they were planning on getting it um, dubbed and distributed. And then they ended up, I think they're going to be partnering with Funimation to do that stuff. I'm not, I'm not, I'm hazy on the details, but I do know that Crunchyroll announced that they had licensed the physical distribution rights for Cabinary of the Iron Fortress. So it, it is totally possible that something like Scum's Wish could get similar treatment. And I will say that the, the difference um, with, um, your, as you said, your Lion April and other older Noritamina shows probably won't be grandfathered in, uh, won't be like pushed into uh, Amazon, which is true, especially because... Um, a lot of like uh, your line April was actually licensed by Aniplex, and Aniplex right. just kind of likes to put all of their shows on like as many streaming services as they can. Because I mean, like your line April is on Crunchyroll, and it's also on Netflix, and um, you know, like a- Aniplex is more than willing to talk about streaming their shows on any service that asks that you know like comes forward and asks them about doing it. So I think there are Aniplex shows at, on basically every streaming service. So The worrying aspect about this situation, and this is something I brought up a year ago when they first did it with Cabinary, is Amazon has the resources to outbid any other player in the market. And they're demonstrating that they don't really care about paying attention to how the market currently operates. Yeah. The reason that anime streaming took off when piracy used to be the only way of getting anime over here in the West was... Crunchyroll demonstrated that it could be made easier, more convenient to pay for a service than to pirate it. And pirating is still not particularly difficult, but there's a combination of wanting to support the people that make a product you like and getting it in better quality with a better service for not very much money. Yeah. So it's the combination primarily, the majority factor is ease of access and the ability to feel like you're contributing to the market you like without getting punished for it. Amazon is reversing that trend. And they're going to build up a lot of bad feeling if they start locking off shows people would otherwise like to see behind a lot of bullshit features that you don't feel you get value for money for. And in that case, piracy is going to go back up. Yeah, well, I, I do know. I think Cabinary was, like, widely pirated when it aired, and that was easier to watch than, say, Scum's Wishes now. Um, the thing is, if you're pirating these shows, it means places like Crunchyroll are not getting the revenue for them that they might otherwise have gotten had they managed to get it to stream legitimately. Yeah. So yeah, I, mean, I don't pirate... damaging, or at risk of damaging the market, especially if other people 
with also with as deep pockets as Amazon have, decide they could also get a very small piece of the pie before the pie is all gone entirely. It's short term thinking and it worries me significantly. Yeah, like I'm no, I don't pirate stuff. Like I never pirate things. I just don't believe in it. I don't like doing it. Sure. Um, but even I seriously considered going on the seven seas to find Onihei once I realized it was locked behind that fucking anime, anime strike paywall. Because I wanted to see that show, and the first episode's great, and now I gotta I mean, pay five extra bucks. I'm just, I ain't doing it. Well, yeah. if you go back to Finua Amu, uh, as I said, I've got it here in the UK on Amazon Prime, so that's why we could include it in the collab last year. We do not include shows you cannot legitimately stream in the collab. Not last year, last season. But if you're in the US, you had no legitimate way to get it because Amazon had bought it, so no one else could stream it, but they weren't making it available. You yeah. had no recourse at all. It's a, fact, it's a bit like the Macross situation, except in this case, Amazon are far more likely to win a court case than Harmony Gold has ever been because uh-huh. they're legitimately purchasing these shows. There's no wiggle room here. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's it's an interesting situation to put to say the least. Um, and I I don't think there are a whole lot of people, or really any, I mean, no one that I've talked to who are particularly thrilled about the introduction of um, Anime Strike. I will say that I was surprised when I looked at the comments on sites like Anime News Network and that like they weren't positive about Anime Strike, but there wasn't the same like kind of outrage that I was expecting when it when it first was announced people are kind of not, like not oh particularly bitter but again as i say i brought this up a year ago and most of the people in anate didn't seem to care very much and now what's ha- what i suggested might happen is happening everybody's going oh shit well my my situation is that at the time i was thinking amazon has no interest in competing with crunchyroll and funimation they're just trying to diversify their catalog um, because the only exclusives that they had licensed were Noitamina. And I, I just like, like the idea of if someone had told me back then that Amazon was going to be launching uh, Anime Strike within like a year, I would have been like, that's ridiculous. There's no way that's going to happen. Uh, even and, I didn't predict that they would come up with their own streaming service. I did predict that they would go after more and more shows. Yeah, well, that's what that's what I'm saying. I wouldn't have minded if they'd just gone after more shows, because like Prime yeah, but going after more shows puts them in competition with Crunchyroll and the like. It uh, I mean the show it, they get no one else does. It's true. I mean that's true from like Crunchyroll and Funimation's perspective, but from the way that I was looking at it is just simply that um, yeah, they'd be hurt. They but the the side effect is they'd be hurting Crunchyroll and Funimation, but they they were but them as the it's like Amazon would have been like a monolith in the like this huge like fish and Crunchyroll and Funimation are like little plankton and Amazon might accidentally like damage them by swimming past them but they didn't actually care that much about that market because they've got so much other stuff going on but now they are like completely and directly like trying to compete with Crunchyroll and Funimation by offering this service. I would say I think most people underestimated the situation and I think that could be still what's happening here with a lot of people going well it's bad but how bad can it really get and the answer yeah. is worse than you're thinking yeah that's not to say it will but it very definitely could yeah I agree 
But anyways, we should jump ahead here and talk. I want to talk briefly. So the well, kind of briefly, you know, we'll see how it goes. Um, so as everyone knows, the winter anime season start has started over the past couple of weeks, and most shows have one or two episodes out right now. Other than like a couple, like I think Bang Dream hasn't started yet, which is like that multimedia project that looks like a cross between like Love Live and K On. Oh no, uh, it hasn't started yet. No. <laughs> and see the thing is when I was in Japan there were ads for it everywhere and I kind of want it to be good because that would be like a cool like multimedia like rock band like music focused anime and if it was good that'd be awesome it's probably not going to be but like hey point being it hasn't aired yet other show but pretty much everything else has um, and so I wanted to talk we I after we assembled our crew for this podcast I took a look at shows that but somewhere between five and five of us have been watching because no one this is not a single show that there's like a full like the full somewhere like six between five and five of us so five. yes somewhere between <laughs> five and five of us and i was considering saying five and six because like some of them were like five and watched them and then one person was like i plan to watch this show but then i was like no that doesn't really count because they haven't seen it so they can't really discuss it with us um, for example, the first list on our show, which is Demi Chama Katari Tai, which is interviews with Monster Girls, um, and Requiem has marked plan to for uh, whether or not he's watched the show. Well, the rest of us are yes. Yeah, that's because so, Requiem's a terrible person. Yeah, Requiem kind of you, you ruined you ruined it, bro. You ruined I'm it. I'm soulless like a small ginger child. Exactly, you ruined it. You ruined it. Um, but that is our first show that we're going to talk about here. Um, and so to introduce, I'll introduce this one briefly. Um, so Interviews with Monster Girls, um, you might get the idea it's a Monster Girls show. You'd be correct, obviously. Um, and basically, it's this. It's the uh, so there's a teacher at a uh, high school who basically when he gra- he got like he was studying biology at university. And when he was studying, he always wanted to do research on um, demi-humans, which in the universe of the anime, demi-humans exist. So you've got, you know, just like vampires and Dulahan and like the kind of like mythological creatures and the like. Um, it should be noted and, that they exist as a result of mutation rather than any supernatural cause. Yes. And um, he, but he was never actually able to um, do, re- do that research because he was not able to uh, get people to interview. And so he's always kind of wanted to interview um, the demi-humans and then suddenly at the high school he's working at um, in the new freshman class there are several of them and even one of the new teachers turns out to be a demi-human and so he's suddenly thrown into this world where he's got where he's like very directly in his life there are several demi-humans and it's kind of like um, it, it, it's you know it's a slice of life comedy show um, the one thing I will say uh, as my first piece in this discussion is that unlike a lot of other Monster Girl shows like uh, Monster Musume, the show is not fan servicey. Um, it's just like it's a slice of life comedy about monsters. Yeah. The monster um, traits of the girls are also very downplayed. I mean, so far we've got a succubus, a vampire, a Yukiyana, and a Dulahan, and they're all practically completely human apart from the Dulahan, who obviously has her head separate from her body. Yeah. Otherwise, there's no monstrous features on display at all. Oh, and it's worth mentioning for people who haven't seen the show that uh, Yuki Ona is uh, Snow Woman. I have a rant prepared as to why that shouldn't be translated, but I'll get into that another time. See, 
I probably have a basic understanding of what your rant is, but just for the sake of simply, like, getting the idea of, like, oh, this is what this vaguely is. I guess, but to do my rant in short, why don't we treat Dulahan the same? I mean, depending on the etymology you apply, Dulahan either means dark man or headless man. So if you take the dark man, that's just as bad as snow woman. Well, in my in my defense, well, the reason that I just said is because you had already said that she was headless. So I was like, oh, okay, that's out of the way. Yeah, but and everyone knows what vampires are. Anyway, moving on because I will rant on this. What's a vampire? Um, <laughs> I'm not certain what the etymology of vampire the is. The other name for it is Nosferatu, which I'm sure even less people have heard of. Didn't Bram Stoker basically make up the word vampire? Possibly. Mm-hmm. I mean. People have made up every single bit of shit about these creatures. They don't exist. Yeah. But anyways, anime... Or do they? Um, (laughs) So everyone, except for Requiem here, has seen this show. So I'm going to go... Stanley, what do you think about this show? The Monster Girls? Yeah. (laughs) Yes, the Monster Girls. That's the one. (laughs) The way you put that, I thought you were moving on to another show. I got kind of thrown off. Um... I think it's all right. Like, a, it's a good mix of slice and life, and something you don't really expect in every single show. I, I kind of like the uh, the the teacher's perspective on everything. Like, he's kind of just the observer in all of the in all of the the interviews and whatnot, and he really makes a good uh, pathway for like relating to a character. If that makes sense. Yeah. It's pretty funny. You know, like, I mean, yeah, yeah, go. I was gonna say, it, the format is almost ingenious in a way because you know he's setting it up as interviews, and in doing so, you learn so much about like you, you can you, you learn a lot about the different people, and I think that goes a long distance in making the characters endearing. Which, yeah, in, in a slice of life. Like, it's not always necessary, but if you have endearing characters, it makes it not only, like, really chill, but it also makes it really enjoyable and the rewatchability really high. So Yeah, I, it's I, almost I, like uh, a good way to do an info dump without doing an info dump. Right. And and all the exposition. I'm putting a lot of stock into this show. I'm, I'm really optimistic about it. Yeah, yeah, it's one of my favorites of the season. I, mean, I started I actually, reading the manga when it first started getting translated. So I've been on the bandwagon for a while, but I find it a very intelligent show. The allegories about disability or racism or just being a minority in society are pretty obvious, but it's still handling them very, very well. Yeah, and um, it's well, it's funny because I actually uh, have read the manga too because I had reviewed um, the first volume for uh, Takeoban. And the funny thing is, my first exposure to the series was um, when I was in Japan and I would go uh, over the summer and I would go on walks to, like, the local manga store. Uh-huh. Um, what I'd kind of do is, like, if there were, like, particularly, like, ridiculously ridiculous-looking series or something, I would kind of, like... I, I actually, I like, legitimately, like, took pictures of some of, like, the covers of the series and go, like, oh, this is ridiculous. This will never come to the United States. And one of the ones, little did I know it had just gotten <laughs> licensed, was Interviews with Monster Girls. Um, or, you know, like, in Japan, it was uh, Demi-chan Wakatari Tai. Um, and I never actually bought the Japanese volume of the manga, but um, it was... Um, I was still... I remember looking, I was like, 
you know, like the, fir- the first cover has um, Hikari the vampire like in like uh, a funny pose, and the second one is like um, the Dulahan with the and I was just like, what is going on with this? And um, that was my first exposure to it, and then uh, I was like, oh wow, Kodansha licensed the manga. I guess I'll review the manga, and then it was like, oh wow, this is getting an anime adaptation winter that I totally didn't notice. It's being done by um, A1 Pictures, and it seems like it's like because A1. I mean, obviously there are plenty of discussions about A1 Pictures, but A1 Pictures they usually pick like one or two shows a season that they put like a decent amount of budget into, and this seems like one of the ones this season that they're putting money into. So yeah, I think I mean, it's sorry, that whole story. Nervous, by the way, that whole story was just so Proton could humble brag about going to Japan. I wasn't going to mention that. I was going to be polite, but yeah, that's that not true at all. The thing is, one of the more celebrated members of the anime community actually works for Kodansha, and myself and Wright Zeno basically kept hassling her that this was something that she should tell them to pick up. And I seriously doubt we had any influence whatsoever, but when she said that they were actually going to pick it up and bring it over, we were both very, very happy. Yeah. Um, Sounds like a great show. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, which you haven't watched. <laughs> how good it was. So how would you how would it how would it stack up against like the last two Monster Girl shows like Monster uh, Masume and Actually different. I Am? It's completely different. I mean, the thing about Monster Masume was it's very fan servicey, very itchy, and very much about the fact that these girls are not human. A lot of the humor was about their monstrous traits. In Demi-chan, that's very, very played down. Yeah, and I would say from a um, very basic, like, genre perspective, um, as, like, maybe a perspective fan, I would say that um, Monster Girls, I, uh, Monster Musume, I couldn't stand because it's an ecchi show. I don't like ecchi shows. Um, Jitsu uh, Awatashi wa. Uh, well, okay, there's a difference between um, being a prude and not liking fan service, because I love Scum's Wish. That's not fan service. But and that's one of the most like sexually explicit anime that I've ever seen, and um, uh, I, um, but anyways, uh, <laughs> and the uh, uh, but then I uh, the truth is I am what or just what do they call it? just I am I'm used to the Japanese name Jitsuwa Watashiwa. Yeah, English name is actually I am. Actually, I am. Actually, I am. Um, yeah, yeah. So um, actually, I am. I no, wasn't it my monster secret, which was really stupid? Yeah, I think that I was think... a subtitle. Yeah, I, that was the I, I think my I mean, the series secret, is very good, but the title they tried to give it was just. I think dumb. my monster secret is the one that because they licensed the manga Seven Seas, and since you reviewed it, Exile, that was the name that you probably saw a lot um, yeah. from them. But then I think Crunchyroll titled it Actually I Am. So you know, like, we got like a lot of titles getting thrown around here. But anyways, um, I like. I, I didn't read the manga for that, but the anime I was kind of like eh about, and I don't think I ever actually finished it. But like, um, what I would say is that having read the manga for um, interviews with Monster Girls and watching the anime, I'd say it's a really good adaptation so far. It is. It very uh, much. Yeah, I was actually like, because I was, I, I liked the manga, but like the first like chapter where they jump, where they like jumped in and introduced things, I thought that the anime. The anime added like a bunch of stuff to that, and I think it made it a lot better. That I, I can tell you, episode two just went up earlier today, so I watched through that, and 
a particular scene in the manga which was especially humorous. The anime adds just a few little touches that makes it even funnier. That's good. That's good. That's what I like to hear. I'll probably watch it probably once this podcast is over. If, if I wanted to be superior and intellectual about comparing the two series, I would say Monster Masume was probably more about racism and visible disability because it was about people that look different trying to integrate into society. And it was a more intelligent show than I think most people would think looking at it, which is understandable. With Demi-chan, though, it's a lot more about invisible differences. Yeah. And I've killed the conversation. (laughs) Well, I I would say that um, outside of... I mean, it's just one of those things, you know, like at the very, very surface level, right, if you're looking for... um, different types of comedy be that you know like etchy or just regular humor like the way you're looking at like relationships or you can look at it at multiple different levels there are but there are significant differences outside of just the fact that these series are all monster real series and my my personal thing that i would say is that i think that this is the best anime out of those three um but that's obviously like a very very subjective opinion and extremely biased considering the fact that I don't like Echi series, so Monster Musume was automatically disqualified from that. Well, I'm not going to try ranking them because I think they're too different to contrast yeah. as anime. The subject matter, yes, their existence as a show, not so much. It is a very good anime so far, though, and I do highly recommend it. Yeah. Um, but anyways, moving on to the um, the next option on our list option show on our list is uh, Gabriel Dropout which I want to check on the uh, list because this one was another one that almost everyone had seen but there's just that one I'm the old one out this time and this time it's Exile because everyone has seen it except for him so is there anyone that wants to introduce this one that would be willing to give it a shot Uh, well I could try <laughs> I'm gonna, uh, right, I'm gonna say that Shade is more qualified than Exile to introduce <laughs> this show. So Shade, no, introduce this show. Okay, so it's it's about angels and demons. It's the thing, but the main character graduates from angel school, and she's allowed to go on Earth, live as a human. Well, yeah, but. Then, so she's living along the humans, and there are also demons living along the humans too. But then the main character somehow, no, not somehow, she gets addicted to a game, an MMORPG, and throws away her her qualifications as an angel. Well, I don't know if that's qualifications, but. She doesn't really act like an angel anymore. Where she, where she first, like, was a model person cleaning up trash and helping people, now she's just lounging at her, in her apartment. <laughs> now she is trash. <laughs> she literally, she just, she cracked, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She, she was an angel, she came to Earth to learn... You know about humans, but instead became a neat. Is the basic yeah. sense. Yeah. First, she was cleaning up trash, and now she is trash. Yes, yeah, she basically became uh, Omaro-chan. 
And I, I think I think what was really funny for me because I actually was like, oh, this show just looks like some random like cute girls doing cute things show just right tools. so i was just like meh i'm not gonna watch it and then like one of my friends like messaged me he's like it's so funny you have to watch it you have to watch it and then i was like all right i'll give it a shot uh, you guys can't see it but i'm narrowing my eyes and i was like <laughs> all right i'll try it but i'm watching you and then i tried it and it was really funny and i'm glad i watched it and i recommend it yeah, um, it kind of reminds me of <laughs> Anne happy and then it looks from the outside like another cute girls doing cute things slice of life show but then it actually has a decent enough sense of humor that it becomes better than that yeah so it's a bit like school live then the, <laughs> oh my god it's a yeah, bit a like love love <laughs> the comedy is like the comedy reminds me like right off like panty and stocking almost like the way that it's set up with like just the angels interacting with like these demons and all these weird quirks and everything it's it, it, it's a really charming show and it doesn't really uh like no matter what anybody can say about it, like I feel like everyone's gonna have a different like kind of way to pitch it because it's so wild. Yeah, I I think what was funny for me is that at the beginning of the first episode when I was like, okay, this show is probably gonna be great, is um when the the transition from picking up trash to becoming trash, which is like she's like this like you know great honor student that's just come down. She's like helping all the humans as she's like going about her like new high school life or whatever. And right. then she, and then like her computer lights up, and it's like an MMO, and she's like, "Oh, an MMO? What's this?" And she's like, "Oh, this is like human entertainment. I should play this to observe how humans work." And then like it's like you can buy this staff for real, real world money. It was like I don't know, like fifteen dollars or something like that. And then she's like, "I shouldn't get it." And she's like, "But I have to save these people." And then she buys it, and then it's like fast forward like a few months later, and it's Just like smash <laughs> cuts to it. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's exactly. A cold, it's a cold, it's a cold shot right to it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it, exactly. It's that like sudden like bam like trash, you know. <laughs> and that that was really funny. Oh, and then. It's... Just from there on out. <laughs> and then just the juxtaposition between her as an angel being useless, and then the demon who's supposed to be evil who just isn't good at it. Yeah, and yeah, it's well it's funny because there's the demon who's evil who's supposed to be evil who totally isn't, and the demon who's evil who's supposed to be evil who is just really bad at being evil. <laughs> no. And I, I think the character that I was laughing at the most was was it like Satania or whatever. Like yeah, the yeah who wants uh... to be the want who wants to be evil but who isn't. There was like the bit where um the like Gabriel, so like the video game obsessed neat angel, like thro- like she's like, oh like you know this this like soda or whatever was garbage, and she's like repent, and then she like throws the soda and like misses <laughs> misses the trash can, it spills everywhere. And then, like, the demon who is always trying to do, like, various, like, really minor things to look evil is just like, oh, my God, this angel's more evil than me. <laughs> it was just, I, I, just, like, those kind of, like, bits were really, really funny. I loved, like, whenever she thought that she was plotting something really, like, super evil, they, uh, they played that, like, diabolical track in the background, but, like, they started it at the exact same time for just the perfect comedic timing. Yeah. This is sounding pretty good. I yeah, I actually, I actually think that you would really like it, Exile. It's right up your alley. I mean, there's no <laughs> tanks in it. Yeah, there's no uh, tanks, but other there's than no, that. There's no tanks, but I feel like there could be at some point in time, just the way that like some of the humor works. It could it could happen. Um, and there's a, less, outside there's a more of the than tanks. zero chance. Yeah, there is a more than zero chance. Excellent. Um, but yeah, so 
Wait, I remember you. You just did. You just watch it, Stanley, or did you watch that earlier? I did. I I watched it probably two hours ago now. So we got we got one right off the presses here. What was your like? Were you like, damn fan, that was good, or were you like, ah, I don't know? It's another one of the the shows where like they showcase cynicism and just like absolute opposite of what you would expect from a character. Um. And I feel like that's pretty enjoyable, out, just outright. Like, um, if you're watching the show for, uh, for like, okay, the first five minutes of the show, everything's like all angels and everything's so happy, <laughs> and then all of a sudden it just makes a 100% 180. Oh, like that, that's the kind of stuff that most of us live for. Also, <laughs> it's funny because like. You, that's, you know, like there's there are two angels that are in like the academy in the first episode. One of them is like meat trash, and the other one is like a sadist. <laughs> it was just like, it was just like so ridiculous. Um, they're like role reversal between the two demons and the two angels, and they just are really good at playing off that humor. There was kind of an unprecedented amount of uh, fan service. I, I don't know if, like, any of you guys caught that, but, like, there yeah, wasn't any shots yeah. where it was, like, oh, yeah, this this person's, like, being put on the spot and, like, whatever, but it, it more like uh, they'd bend over and then a part of their panties were showing, and it's like, oh, yeah. yeah. The fact yeah. that a pair of panties got teleported, I mean... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, I mean, that that is the biggest... Um, the biggest warning that I would say is that like there's some fan service. Not enough that I'm like, oh, I can't watch this show, but like it's still like moderately annoying. I'd yeah. say. Yeah. It's kind of stuff that makes you raise your eyebrows and just go, I guess this is the kind of medium that I'm into. <laughs> it's, a it's, a, it, it's a caution flag, that's for sure. Yeah. But yeah, jumping to, uh, we'll go ahead and go to our um, third show here which is uh, Konosuba, Season 2. And the reason now I picked out, the four shows that I picked out to discuss, I picked them all out because of, um, A, because most of the people in the chat had watched them, and then B, because I felt like... <laughs> or, yeah, or will eventually. Um, or, and B, because I felt like uh, they were good. They're, from like the first episode or two, there were like interesting like conversations that were like, very relevant you could have about them. Whereas there are some shows that's like, oh, we could, for example, Scum's Wish, oh, we could talk about this now, but this is going to be a much more interesting conversation later after the show has been going for a while. And there still is plenty to talk about these shows later, I'm sure, too, but like in and of themselves, their premieres, there's quite a bit to say. And with Konosuba, I would say that, um, for well, for those of you that don't know, this is the second season of uh, Konosuba and what it's about is it's about this dude named Kazuma who was like a shut in like neat like obsessed with video games kind of dude and um, one day he um, is he's gone out he was getting like a, a like a special edition of like a video game and he had to physically go out of his house to get it and he actually um, like some girl's about to be hit by a car and he's like oh you know I'll rescue her and then like he ends up getting hit um well, he ends up the the joke is that he ends up like not really getting hit by it and like dies of shock and they're all like making fun of him for it. But anyways, point being is he dies in this like accident in a hilarious way, and because of that, he is sent for reincarnation. But um, the goddess who's reincarnating him, Aqua, is like 
you know, we there's like this other alternate world um, where this demon king is taking over, and we really need to be sending people. Don't want to get reincarnated there because it sucks, and we need to send people there to like take out the demon king. Just like if you go, we'll give you like one like super OP ability or any one thing that you want. Here, a bunch of super OP abilities, and then he and then she's being like super like sassy to him, and he's like. Yes, she's like making fun of like how he died and stuff like that, and so causing a salty. And he's like, "All right, I'll go." And the one thing I pick to take with me is you. And so they both get like dr- dragged screaming down into this like fantasy world, and they <laughs> they you know they start from nothing, and it's just it's like a really hilarious, surprising, really even like surprisingly hilarious comedy, and it's one of it's definitely one of like the uh, the darlings of the anime community in general. But even on Anate, um, it's just a very well-received comedy show and the second season basically picks up from the first one so when we talk about it obviously there are going to be like some points where it's like this is the second season um but i'd say the two like main things that i think we're going to be mentioning here are a the um the, the studio dean and um b the fact that the premiere of the second season was hilarious yeah i mean to run through another couple of details it's basically a complete subversion of the reincarnated in a fantasy world that has become so popular of late. There's so many stories where that's happening, and this one takes the idea and really twists it into something unpleasant to have to deal with. <laughs> uh, that's in-universe. Um, yeah. He ends up with a party of three girls and him, and the girls are all on paper fantastically powerful and incredibly well respected very useful classes very powerful abilities in practice they are fucking useless (laughs) and he is the most average person you are ever going to find and he is the one that ends up leading them because he's the only one who can actually do the job worth a damn and the vitriolic companionship they all work up together especially between him and Aqua is hilarious to see because they cannot admit that they actually have any affection not romance just affection towards each other at all because it's so dysfunctional and yet they become almost familial despite it that's what I loved about it is it, it sounds like it's set up for a harem and yet there's really no harem at all Really? It's one of the big surprise no, shows of all time, I think, because it's an LN adaption by by Dean, and it turned out fucking great. Yeah. And every time, it subverted your expectations every time you thought it was going to be bad, or you thought you knew where it was going, you think it's going to be a harem, and it's none of that thing, it's just, it's consistently fucking hilarious. And I mean, the thing that uh, I thought very... was um, on the topic of season two specifically, is that like this premiere, when it's kind of like they take the events of season one, and they're basically like, you know, like various things happened, and now the uh, Cosmos because of them, Cosma has co- become he's now in trouble with the law, and it's like his like he's in jail and like his trial and everything, and it's like it's a really it's a really like amazing like summary of the first season and some of the funniest parts of the first season, while also just being like one of the most ridiculous and hilarious episodes in and of itself. Yeah, I mean, the type of humor the show does is instead of the whole heroically sacrificing himself to save a bystander, and that's how he dies and gets reincarnated and deserves to be reincarnated, 
He'd been awake for three days, went out to the next city to get this limited edition, and on his way back, thought he saw a girl about to be hit by a truck, and threw himself to get her out of the way. The reality, as Aqua really enjoys telling him, is that it was a tractor moving at about walking pace. The girl was in no danger at all, and he hurled himself forward, died of a heart attack, and pissed himself. (laughs) And that's how the entire thing starts. That's the sort of tone it goes for. And when he decides to take Aqua with him, it has been noted that the other gods and goddesses running whatever system they seem to appear to leap on the idea really quickly. Yeah. And pretty much one instantly shows up and says, yeah, that's fine, bye! But the fact that she's a goddess and should be super powerful, but she's so fucking dumb that yeah, she's she worthless out as is an great. Priest with all of her stats maxed, so she can't actually increase her stats anymore through leveling up. And her her intelligence is below the average level of Kazuma's. Yeah. But you're talking about that first episode of the new season, you know, obviously the two things that stood out the most were, A, it's still really funny, and the writing is just as good, and B, the animation was even worse <laughs> than the first season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the first Dean season, Dean has long had a reputation away. for quality. And yeah. we can go back to Log Horizon 2 here, and the sort of melody <laughs> trail art. But Dean has long been a punchline in the anime community, and yet Konosuba Season 1 seemed to change that, because it still wasn't fantastic, but it worked with the show really, really well. And I'm afraid it appears that most of Dean was probably ill when they were making Konosuba Season 1, and they've subsequently recovered. Yeah. The quality has just gone right down again. It has the an- well. I would say the the nice thing is the animation quality has gone right down, but the actual episode itself was like really funny. So like the writing is still there, at least for that first episode. Yeah, so it's I'm a hoping shame that they've gone back to being a punchline again. Yeah. You can just keep the characters on model. I'll <laughs> that's I'll take that. I don't know what the hell was going on with Kazuma in some of those scenes. Kazuma, <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. The, it's funny because I'm the kind of person, like, I really won't notice the animation that much unless it's really, really good or, like, really, really bad. And, like, Konosuba, especially Season 2, falls into that category of, like, really, really bad. So, like, when I'm watching the Season 2 premiere, it's really funny, but then I'm also just, like, damn. like <laughs> It takes you out of it? Yeah, a little, a, a little bit. Well, um, we can always yeah. hope that they'll clean it up for the Blu-ray, I guess. Yeah. Did you notice the animation in Handshakers? <laughs> I, I did not no, let's not do that. Holy shit! Yes! Can we not? Yes, we should. Oh, no. Oh, no. Um, I've only seen the screenshots and a couple of GIFs, and oh, God. No. Uh, is it possible for hearing. animation to be too detailed? Answer is yes. Now, judging from what I've been hearing... Handshakers is actually causing people physical pain. It's like you know, in anime, yep. sometimes someone will see something and they'll start bleeding from their eyes for dramatic effect. <laughs> that anime is bringing that true to life. Yeah, that's what it's. That's what it sounded like for me. I just heard like the hordes of like sc- of screams suddenly silenced on Anate as people are watching Handshakers, and I'm just like, you know, I think I'm gonna put a pass on this show. 
And so I just haven't subjected myself to that one. It's worth watching at least the first episode to just as an experience. Just to see, someone thought this was a good idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Someone in per- out there. In a particular, a particular plot device, they decided, let's not just make it uncomfortable once. Let's make it uncomfortable twice. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Look out, you're not I think we're talking about the one, one character who's... Like, yes, I, yes. I air quote breasts are really just two independently moving orbs that are vaguely attached to the front of her body. She is bobbing her head to the music. For each head bomb, her breasts jump up. Oh, I was talking Uh, more... I was talking about Chain Guy, but yeah, that's bad. That's a whole whole other level. So uh, are we talking icon quality here? Of uh, of those famous gifts? It's pushing it. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> I'm tempted to put the gif in question in the comments just so people can see what I'm talking about. Go ahead. Um, but um anyways, now that we've tangented into um handshakers, I'm going to push out of this terrible terrible discussion and move on to um Aka or ACCA. Um and what what was the English title again? Because I still have the Japanese. I don't one. know. If you go just one more box down, we get to a keeper strip the animation. I'll talk about that. Nope, nope, we're not doing that. Nope, 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 nope. We're <laughs> we are not we are not doing that today. Um, but I'll it, it, the the Japanese name is Aka, and then it's Jusanku uh, Kansatsuka. Um, and it's and that's kind of like it's like a, the AACA of like thirteen districts, something along those lines. Um, and uh, basically, what it's about is. Um, it's uh, just to do like a brief like off the top of my head summary from what I've seen on this first episode is that um, so it's about this guy his name is um, Jean or Jean I don't really know it's kind of hard to tell which pronunciation they're going for just because you know Japaneseification I'm just gonna say Jean for now I think um, they do say Jean they do yeah. say Jean okay so Jean um, so by the way the Jean... English sorry the English is 13 territory inspection department. Alright, thank you. 13 Territory Inspection inspection Department. Um, And so basically, um, Jean is um, part of, like, the oversight of this, uh, of, what's the organization, like, the the ACCA, I'm, like, totally blanking on some of this stuff right now. Does someone want to jump in and, like, explain, like, the workings of, like, the company he works for? So the ACCA, well, it was a, it was essentially a extra-governmental organization it was part of the government and yet uh, separate from it, and and and, dispute, and basically dispenses government services that, that the various parts of the country need, like fire, um, paramedic, police, things like that. And he's part of it of like an, a larger, like basically an oversight or yeah. internal affairs department that inspects it to make sure they're doing their jobs correctly. Yeah, there we go. Thank you. And um, basically. So how it starts is that at the beginning of the show, they're like, oh, you know, the, the, this country has been at peace for like 100 years now, so like this inspection department isn't even really needed, and so they're going to cut it. Um, and, then it and then, you know, they end up like different things happen, and they end up like backpedaling on this kind of stuff. And it turns out, it's one of those things where it's like, it's very much world building this first episode. You have Gene, and you see kind of what he's like. And what his job entails, and through what his job entails, you know, basically the the workings of the ACCA and the country that it's part of, and you get like there's like 
a ton of foreshadowing of like they're like these it's been so peaceful for so long we don't even need you anymore and it's like they keep saying that it's just always it's been so peaceful for so long and it's like we all know that like it ain't gonna be peaceful for very much longer and probably I, not by episode two or three probably not gonna be too peaceful i so, honestly it, yeah and i'm sorry i don't mean to cut you off just jumping in like i had a note on that and as i was watching it like it if you look at what's going on in the background with a lot of stuff, like actual things happening, like at the fires and everything that are going on in it, like it's almost like they're just really good at covering it up. Like it's like it feels like a dystopia. And yeah. him him being who he is and being like an audit, like an auditor and stuff with like mm-hmm. just making sure like, you know, he can clean up all this this stuff. You know, it took me back to uh, reading like Fahrenheit 451. Like, obviously, those are two very different um, forms of auditing, but um, it, just, it does, like, you can't help but to feel like this, this perfect world and, like, all the, the jobs in it are, like, feel like right out of, a, like, a Ray Bradbury book. Yeah, so, like, yeah. False utopia, false utopia, basically. Yeah, yeah false much. utopia situation, yeah. You got that um, duck on the pond thing where it's calm on the surface and there's a whole bunch of crap going on underneath. But, like, at, like even, even as it's going on, so it's, like, it... And then, like, him being the character who, who digs up this stuff, he'll probably be the one to figure it out. And then, you know, it, they even already sh- kind of showed it. Like, these big wigs are going to be like, yeah, this guy's really smart. He's a little too smart. I don't like that. Yeah, yeah. And the pres- – I, I think, too, just, like, the presentation, you know, it's a, it's a Madhouse production. Um, and the uh, – like when the open, I remember when the opening theme came on, I was like, "Oh, this is really cool!" Like not just like, "Oh, this is like a good song," which I mean, like, yeah, it's a good song, and I love really good music. But it was just kind of like the way that um, the like style of the opening theme just struck me. It's it's very like um, art. It's very like artistic and energetic. And if you're if you're like, "Oh, I'm not sure if this show sounds like boring or interesting or not," then like. I would recommend. I would almost recommend if you're gonna do any like one thing, of like giving the opening theme a shot and seeing what you think just from like the vibes of that and maybe obviously like what you've heard from us in like the description of the actual show itself, um, because I just think that there seems to be like a lot of um, energy behind the show that present that like made the presentation of the first episode appeal to me a lot. Yeah, the aesthetic of the show. Oh, yeah. very, it's very pleasing. Like it's really fun to watch. Like look at. Yeah. It also functions as an excellent ad for tobacco. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Or or anti ad depending on what happens in the future. True. It, it, it's it's funny because it's like you don't know much about the um the you know his 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 division, but you you're almost immediately wanting to care about them because like uh compared to like the whoever his like you know his i don't want to say assistant but the person that was like driving around in the car with them mm-hmm. you know they they have a couple good moments but it's just like there's like normal office talk going on with the other people and it's just it it has that kind of charm to it like they're talking about their families and stuff and it's just like that's so much better than just like dudes just sitting there typing away at a computer, and then they're like, "We're shutting down the the department." And you're like, "Okay, well, why do I care?" You know? <laughs> yeah, and I think they did for there were a ton of characters, 
And I think they did a really good job of introducing them and making it easy to differentiate them. Like, Absolutely. I was like, oh, this, you know, they introduced, like, 20 characters. And, like, when, when each of them, like, pops up again later in the episode, I, like, legitimately remembered who all of them were. So like What they were talking about or, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of shows where they try to, like, establish that really big, like, this is, all you know, like, a huge, like, organization that is very much, like monitoring this entire country there are a lot of moving parts in this and a lot of those moving parts are people and you know you're a lot of them are very relevant to the story that we're about to tell and when a lot of shows try to do something like that you have this huge ensemble cast and you have a hard time like at even just like introducing them and making them known to the audience and i think that this show has already done a good job of doing that i mean it's one of those that's like it, if it keeps going at this pace, it's going to be known just for that and, like, how well it was as a game manager for it. Yeah. Um, but at the same token, it, it is very... It does make me feel very uneasy because oh, yeah. ra- you, you rarely see something hold it together that long. And I hope I'm wrong because that I always welcome a show like that. Like, any p- piece of fiction that can ha- uh, manage an agenda like that is much, much welcome. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing to me especially will be, like, seeing how well they pull off just, like, the overall plot, which, like, the gen- the, the foreshadowing seems to indicate that there's going to be, you know, some form of, like, unrest going on with uh, – that's probably, you know, involves, like, the higher-ups um, in the AACCA. And it just seems like – it seems really intriguing, and I'd like to think that they'll pull it off. But you never know. So, what's what's a uh, what's life if we don't root for something, huh? Exactly, exactly. You gotta have like we're talking about like we're talking about you know like Demi Chan and Gabriel Dropout and Konosuba, and these are all kind of shows that are they're like comedy shows that are probably gonna be fairly consistent. And then you've got ACCA, and it's like I don't know. It could be amazing, and it could be you know it could end up being a horrible show, and I don't know. <laughs> and it's kind of interesting like that. But it's I, I I hate to like this does seem like a ballsy kind of call, but if it gets it right, I I feel like it might actually last longer for like you know fans of anime because like oh, obviously yeah. obviously like the slice of life ones are gonna like I said they're gonna have high rewatchability, but as far as what they are for what their work is, it it could very easily become a, like a cult classic. So I'm, I'm hoping for that. I really, at the end of the season, I want to be able to get on here and say, "Hey, I'm absolutely glad yeah. that this stuck through." We were, we were right, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, it could also end up being one of those really high quality shows that hardcore fans love and don't really sell. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm completely fine with that because let's be honest. If you look at the, if you just feel the aesthetic with it, like. You you could just tell that it's probably not gonna it's probably not gonna be any more than that. But at the same token, if it's a winner in one book, it's a winner in the right book. So yeah, I definitely get on that point, Requiem. I definitely I could see it being like a really interesting show, and then like all of those you know like the Man Globe shows back in the day of you know a year ago and before that, <laughs> but like before Man Globe went under, um, of just like making a lot of like very like cool and interesting shows like Gangsta and then they just you know they just don't sell well and it's very niche. Of, it's 
why the company ended up going under, you know, and it's like this. I mean, obviously, it's not like Madhouse is going to go under, but like for this specific show, it could very much be one of those situations of like, oh, it turns out to be a really great show, but then like it just doesn't sell well. Um, but that hopefully, even if that does happen, though, hopefully this is one of those that tells a full story and we, you know, there's not like, oh, man, I wish I had a second season. It can be like they told a whole story. We got the whole thing, you know, and as consumers, we don't really care that it's sold because it doesn't matter. So, right. Fingers crossed. Um, but anyways, so I think that we're like right at about the time that I'd want to be for this podcast. So we're gonna wrap it up here. So everyone who is listening, thank you for listening. Be sure to check out the Annotate podcast. We're on iTunes. Um, we have an RSS feed, and obviously we are on annotate.kindra.com or annotate.org. And the actual article that we post on the website does have chaptering so if you're like oh this is you know an hour and a half long podcast and i want to like go through and like like listen to specific (laughs) sections well unfortunately you're at the end of the podcast now so too late but in the future we do post those on the website so um but anyways i was joined today um by these lovely gentlemen shade dill requiem stan like in exile so thank you guys and let's look forward to a hopefully good 2017 of anime. Woo! Woo. Pleasure, as okay. always. <laughs>